Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome to the second, um, I'm going to say second series. Welcome to the second week of the series, Revealed. And um, Mark's done an amazing job. He, he did a great job last week introducing the series. And hasn't he done such a great job, like speaking from January all till March? It's just been great. He's really set the tone. So thank you so much. And um, a few things that he said, he said that, you know, he looked at the, what is behind a name. And I found it really interesting that he talks about Steph calls him darling. And when she doesn't call him darling, he knows he's in trouble. <laughs> Isn't that quite funny? Because in my household, when my husband calls me darling, I know he's irritated with me. <laughs> yeah. You see, because I can moan at him, and I can henpick him and just go on and on and on and on. And I think he just wants to say, shut up, just shut up. But what he says is, darling, 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 like that. And I know that when he says it, I know he's irritated. And it was so good to, um, to see that video as well. I mean, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And please, can we have more of that? Because it was so powerful. And you were saying how you like a bit of cheese. There's nothing wrong with a bit of cheese now and again. We like a little bit of cheese now and again. And um, he also mentioned that what we worship, we become. Yeah, what we worship, we become. And if, as we're in that season of um, positioning ourselves, if we view this massive God, this big, powerful God, we're going to expect big, powerful things. If we see God as this small God, we're not going to expect much. And it's so good that he has so many names because it just shows that he's got so many signs to his, to his personality. There's so many things that you have to describe him with so many names. It's also so good that we have these names that we can call on rather than rely on our own perception of God. Because our perception can be distorted. And often, how we view our earthly father, we see our heavenly father. How we view our earthly father, we see our heavenly father. So if you had a dad who wasn't around, you might find it challenging that God is actually there for you. And that's why you can call on his name, Jehovah Shammah, which means he is there, he is present. If you had a dad that didn't give you much and he didn't like push you forward, then you might find it a bit challenging that God is someone who wants to give you good things and wants to usher you into greatness. That's why it's good to know that his name is Jehovah Jireh, which means God is my provider, my vision. So today, I'm going to be talking about his name, Elohim. And Elohim is the first name that is revealed to us in the Bible. So if you go to Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God, which is Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Now, this word Elohim means God. It, also, it actually means God's. But it's in the plural. Many people think the reason why it's plural because it shows the Trinity. But generally, by scholars, they believe that the reason why it's plural is to show, to highlight God's greatness. So if he was a car, he would be called cars. If he was a bus, it would be buses. He's so great, you need to say his name in plural. 
And so Elo, the, the singular is Eloha, and the root of this word is El, which, which signifies strength. So the whole word means God who is mighty and powerful. Now, we learn a few things about God as Elohim. We learn that he's a creator because he created the heavens and the earth and everything else. He created everything. He's the creator. We learn that Elohim, who's mighty and powerful, is also a communicator because he talked to Adam. He talked to Adam and Eve and he talked to all his people. We learn that Elohim, who's mighty and powerful, and he creates for think, you know, he created his people for himself. And when you create something for yourself, you own it, right? Yeah? Yeah. He loved so much that he actually gave them the choice to obey him or not. And that's why in the Garden of Eden, he had the tree of knowledge of, of good and evil, and he said, I don't want you to eat from this tree. You can eat from everything else, but don't. Not from this tree. Now, that tree was not bad in itself. He just had to have a symbol to show, are you going to obey me or not? If you obey me, I am, I'm God. I'm full of life. And you will be in life. But if you do something outside of me, it's death. That was what it is. It wasn't the tree that was bad. And you know what they did. They ate from the tree, so they disobeyed God, and that produced the fall. And then from generations, people just turn their way from um, their backs from God. And that hole that was meant to be for God, they filled it up with other things and they, went, they became wicked. And this God, who's mighty and powerful, who could have just annihilated everyone, he held back his wrath. He held it back and gave them mercy. And we learn Elohim, mighty and powerful, works with his people. He doesn't have to work with anyone, but he does. He works with his creation. He did that with Noah. He told him to build an ark because Noah believed in him and he said, you know what, I want you to save yourself and your family and bring all the animals in as well. And he told him what to do. He gave him the specifics and it took 150 years to make this ark. And people probably laughed at him and thought, why are you doing this? You see, when God works with you, then it develops your character, it develops your faith in him. And this is what it did with Noah. So God works with his, with his people. Elohim, the God who's mighty and powerful, is also a promise maker and a promise keeper. Because after the flood, he put a rainbow in the sky and he said, I will never, this is a symbol to show you I will never do this again. I will never wipe out people with a flood again. He's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. And we also learn that Elohim, who's mighty and powerful, is also a miracle worker. He told Abraham that he will have many descendants. And when he told him, Abraham was like, you know, who, who's going who's gonna to inherit what the servant in my house? Because his, his wife was unable to have children. And he took him out of his house and he showed him all the stars and he said, you know what? This is the amount of descendants you're going to have in the future. And he gave him his son at 99. His wife gave birth at 89. That was crazy. But you see, when God puts something in, when he tells you that something's going to happen, it doesn't matter if 
the natural laws say no. When God is going to do something, he will do it regardless. And it's so amazing. Now, when he was in his house, Abraham was in his house, and all he could see was that maybe this servant is going to inherit everything I've got. And God took him out, took him out of his comfort zone. And that's the same thing that God wants to do, take you out of your house, take you out of your comfort zone, and give you a vision that is outside of what you can perceive. So Elohim, mighty and powerful, creator, who loves his people, who communicates with his people, and constantly saves his people. And so the second part of my talk today is that when you, do you know what, I just realized I wanted to tell you something and I haven't told you. Well, basically, actually, you know what, I'll leave it. It was about my husband, about his name, but do you know what, I will leave it. Shall I, shall I say it? Do you know what, I'm going to say it, because you know what, I enjoy saying it. I was just thinking, I've got here really quick. But you know what, there is, names are powerful. And you know, I, my husband is called Alistair. You might know him as Al. And I love his name because it means defender of men. And it's, I know, it's a nice name, isn't it? And um, I discovered that name when I was about, I don't know, 16, 17. There is this magazine called Just 17. Who remembers Just 17, yeah? And in Just 17, they used to have hunk of the month, yeah? And I remember this guy called Alistair, it's not my husband, okay? There was this male model, and he was hunk of the month, and his name was Alistair. And I just thought, wow, you know, what a cool name. That is such a cool name. Anyway, I used to pretend I'm gonna, you know, be with this guy, this, this man, this husband, and he's gonna be called Alistair, yeah? And when I met Al, we spoke on the phone for about 20 minutes. We only met for about a minute, and then he called me up. And after 20 minutes, I said to him, what does Al stand for, you know, what's it short for? And he said to me, Alistair, and I just completely lost myself. I went, oh my goodness, I always thought I was gonna marry an Alistair. I always thought that. And I'm surprised that, you know, he didn't think I was a bunny boiler or anything like that. You know, he did contact me again. But names mean something. Names are powerful, and it's just nice to know. And I, I tend to not call him Al. I call him full-blown Alistair. And it's not because I'm angry with him, but I just love the name. I just love the name. And it's just good to know about God's names. And it's good that we can call him various names, various names. Literally, because I've been studying about Elohim, I went to pray outside the other day, and I, I'm just asking God for something big to happen. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to call your name, mighty and powerful name. And I just stood there going, Elohim, Elohim. And I just felt his presence like, yeah, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. So just, you know, call the names, call those names. If you need him for something, call the name that he is and believe in it, believe in it. Okay, so I'm gonna go back into my second part of my talk. I'm gonna look at how we can approach this mighty and powerful God to do great things in our life. We may have some problems, we may need him to just bust a move and do something powerful in our lives. And so I'm gonna give you five points, five points on what you can do on a backdrop of this amazing, um, person in the Bible called King Jehoshaphat. And you can find out about King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20. I'm going to give you a bit of a background about him. He was the fifth king in line from David, and he was a godly king. 
He didn't consult Baals, you know, he didn't do any Baal worship. He consulted God and he, he respected God. And he was the king of Judah. And because of his respect for God, the surrounding people actually benefited from his love of, of God. And so word got to him one day that the Moabites and the Ammonites and people in Mount Sir were going to come against him and try and destroy him and destroy his kingdom. Now, when you see with Judah, when you look at Judah, so it's a part of Israel, you've got this sea, which is the Salt Sea. So they were on the other side of the sea and they were coming. They were by the sea and they were coming to attack him. And when he found this out, he immediately went to go and seek God. He brought everybody in his kingdom together and he went to seek them to seek God. So my first point that I want to say to you is to seek God. When you've got a problem, seek God rather than something else. And it is so easy to seek other things rather than God when you've got a problem. It is so easy to seek other things. I was speaking to somebody this week who said to me that they have benefited from Mark's series on positioning, so much so that they've decided to stop drinking. And they would drink like maybe three beers, three bottles of beers a, a, a night, or a bottle of wine maybe, or half a bottle. And they just thought, you know what, I'm gonna stop doing this. And because they stopped drinking, they had no idea that that alcohol was numbing so many problems. And so all these problems are coming up all these things that they're, you know, they're thinking about is coming up, and they're just dealing that with that, and they're just taking, taking it to the Lord. So it's good to seek God. When you've got a problem, seek God rather than other things. And so in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 7, King Jehoshaphat says, he goes to God, and he says, Lord the God, and he calls on Elohim, he calls his name Elohim, he said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God, he says, are you not Elohim who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms and nations, power and might. Remember, Elohim means might, mighty and powerful. He says, power and might are in your hands and no one can withstand you. And then he says in verse nine, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in you. You see, they were about to maybe just, you know, get completely annihilated. And they said, you know what? Whatever happens, our eyes are on you. He seeked God, even though he didn't know what was going to happen. And so my next point is to pour out your heart. When you need God to do something, tell him exactly what is going on. Pour out your heart. And sometimes that can be a bit hard because if we're completely honest with God, it might make us feel a bit vulnerable. And supposing God doesn't do something and you've told him exactly what you are longing for, but it's good to pour your heart out to God. It is good to do that. You don't have to be polite. Sometimes you might have to be just a bit messy and raw. Just say it how it is. Pour your heart out to God. And so that is what King Jehoshaphat does. And then my third point is to recognize your limitations and know that God is powerful. 
If you want God, who is mighty and powerful, to do something, just get out the way. Don't trust in yourself, because it's good to just recognize what you can't do and what you need him to do in your life. And so in verse 12, he says, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so that brings me to my fourth point, which is to take your position and wait on God. You see, Mark has been talking about positioning and expectancy. Expect God to do something. Expect him to do something in your life. About 10, 15 years ago, I was walking down the road. It was late at night, and all of a sudden, this guy just came on a bike, and it was just interesting. He had a white T-shirt on and white shorts, and he just came up to me, and he just stopped, and he went, hi, like that, and I just sort of looked at him like, who are you? And it was just really bizarre. He just went in and said, so what's going on with you? What's your problem? And for some reason, I told him, and I, and I had an issue that was going on. I felt quite discouraged about something that had happened, and I just told him. And as soon as I told him, he said this to me. He goes, it's like a key. When you lose your key in your house, you know it's there. The, and you keep looking until you find it. The moment you don't believe it's there, you stop looking. That's all he said to me, and then he just rode off, yeah? It was really bizarre. And it's the same with God. When he's like your home, if you talk to God about your problem, you know that once you've told him, he's gonna do something, so you stand waiting for something to happen. You stand waiting for something to happen. The moment you don't believe that God's gonna do something, you don't, you just don't even ask, you don't even expect. And we are in that season of positioning and expectancy. We're expecting this mighty and powerful God to do something. So King Jehoshaphat took his position and he just waited. And then a guy in the, in the, in, in the group called Jehaziel, the spirit of the Lord went on him. And he said, which is in verse 15 to 17, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And when he said God's, he says, the battle is not yours, but Elohim's, who's mighty and powerful. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up to the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. The Lord will be with you. You might find that there might be a problem and you're hiding from it. And all you've got to do is just face it and bring God into that situation. Bring God into that situation rather than hide away. Just stand there and just see what God does. See what God does for you in your problem. And so, after we heard that word, Jehoshaphat just worshipped God. He just worshipped him. And that's my final point. 
when we call on this mighty, powerful God, after you've done all, after you've seeked him, after you've poured your heart out, after you've recognized your limitations, and after you are just standing, waiting, just carry on worshiping him. Worship how great he is. Worship him because he deserves the praise, because you are believing in him, believing him to do something. A friend of mine here at church told me this amazing story. I had just given birth, so I wasn't quite listening to it, and I had to, this morning, just run it by her again. And she went to a place called David's Tent. Do you know David's Tent at all? Yeah? And so she was listening to one of the worship leaders. I think he's a worship leader at Bethel. And he had been invited to go to Iraq and lead worship. And so he was leading worship, and the Kurds would come in to the tent, and he could, they could see ISIS like from afar coming in, could see them. And so he was leading worship, and you got these Kurds there just dancing and singing and just enjoying the music. And this worship leader said, you know that we're not Muslim? And they're like, yes, 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 you know, just enjoying it. And they said, you know we believe in Jesus? And they're like, yes, 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 you know. And they said, you know we believe that Jesus is the true God? And they're like, yes, yes. And they said, you see, when you Christians come, we love it when you come and you lead and you sing your songs. That's what they said, when you sing your songs. Because every time we listen to your songs, we always win the battle. We always win the battle. Isn't that amazing? When they are in the presence of the mighty God, they always win the battle. And so they sang songs. King Jehoshaphat, he, got, he assembled singers. And the next day, they went to the battlefield singing, praising God, just praising God. Not worrying, but just praising God. Sometimes when we've got problems, all we do is focus on the, the problem and we're worrying and worrying and worrying. But actually, that's our time to just praise God and worship God and know it's in his hands. It's in his hands, whatever happens. Remember, King Jehoshaphat said that, you know what, we got our eyes on you. Even if we die, we got our eyes on you. So they just are just knowing that God is in control and they're just worshiping him. So they go to the battlefield and while they're traveling there, all the ar- that big army, they start to beat each other up. And in fact, they kill each other. So that by the time King Jehoshaphat and the whole kingdom of Judah reach the battlefield, everyone is dead. Isn't that amazing? And so what they did, they just took their jewelry, took all their valuables. And apparently there was so much of it as well. And they just went back home. You see, God had done, had delivered them, had saved them. Isn't that amazing? And he will do the same in your life. He will save you. So as we can see, Elohim, this mighty and powerful God who creates, who loves his people, who saved his people in the Old Testament, is still in the New Testament. He took a step further and he became flesh. He became incarnate and he became Jesus Christ. And his whole entire life was dedicated to saving us from sin, from saving us from death, so that we could have that direct communication, have that intimacy with the mighty, powerful God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Can we have the band up, please? (laughs) 
So what I'd, I'd like to invite you to is to stand up, and we're just going to just, if you can, close your eyes. And this mighty, powerful God is here right now. This mighty, powerful God loves you and is with you, is with you. This mighty, powerful God that created the world, everything, everything, is with you and is, 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 is going to go home with you. If you invite him to, he, he is there, he's with you. This mighty and powerful God wants to live inside you, his Holy Spirit. This mighty, powerful God who does so many great things, wants to do great things in you as well. And some of you here, you might not have ever experienced Jesus. You may, this might be new to you, and you may be interested. And you know what? All you have to do is just say, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to know you. And you can, just, you can just say that now. You can just say that now. And you can, it, he would love that. But if you want to speak to somebody about it in more detail, you can speak to someone in the ministry team, which is on my right and your left. But if you know Jesus and you want to believe and expand your view of God and expand your view that he is mighty and powerful, he does all good things, he can, he can change my life, he can change my life, he can do amazing things in my life if I just allow him to then just say that. Just say, God, show me. Show me your mightiness and your power. And as I was preparing this, as I was preparing it, I actually thought that I think there might be some people here that when they think about calling on this mighty and powerful God, there might be just some fear that is just standing in the way and is probably saying, hey, if you completely trust, this is not going to happen. You don't want that to happen, so you better hold on to fear. You better hold on to what you're afraid of, because at least that's what you know. The moment you let go, what's going to happen? Supposing you get hurt, supposing something bad happens to you. And if you've got that fear, just be bold and say, God, look, this is what I'm afraid about. This is what I'm afraid of. Just confess that fear to him. says perfect love casts out fear and for a long time I didn't quite understand that I didn't quite understand what perfect love how does perfect love cast out fear but you see the thing is because God loves you he's not going to do something that's going to destroy you in fact you don't have to worry when you're in the presence of God you don't have to worry because his perfect love will not do something to hurt you so you don't have to be afraid. That thing that you are afraid of, which makes you think, you know what? I'm on my own. What's going to happen? I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be destroyed if I don't hold on to that fear. But the thing is, when you know that God's perfect love is there, 
fear has no place in your life. So I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your perfect love. Thank you so much for being so powerful and so mighty, and yet you want a relationship with us. You want to be with us. You're mighty and powerful, and you don't turn away. It's not like you haven't got time for us. It's not like you're not interested in us. It's not like there's so many bigger things you've got to deal with that you don't want to know that little thing that makes us tick. You care about us. And I ask you, Lord, to help us to draw closer to you. Help us to trust you and expand our mind, expand our view of you so that it changes our life and that we expect more because you are a big, mighty, powerful God. Please make that mightiness more real in our lives. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.